for your spirit, and we trust that as we open your word, you will send your spirit among us, not only in the reading, but also in the proclamation of that word. May it touch our hearts and help us to better understand all that happened before our Lord Jesus came into this world as a gift for us. And as we see the picture of John being promised as a forerunner, we too declare with Isaiah the prophet of what was told of John. He's coming to prepare the way. Let that be our focus tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read from the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, the verses 5 through 25. We always wonder um, when we're doing a service in the evening at a church where they should have had a service in the morning. So I wasn't sure where uh, whoever was going to preach this morning would have taken the passage from. So when I sent this note to Pastor Ken, he said, I think you'll be safe for an evening service. And as it turns out, you didn't have that morning service, so it's appropriate in both ways. Uh, let's read from Luke 1, 5 through 25. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled, assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. 
They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. And these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. This is the word of the Lord. Friends in Christ Jesus, our Lord, Advent is a season of anticipation and expectation. We anticipate what might unfold in this season, and we expect, as we do annually on Christmas Day, that we will celebrate the birth of our Savior. And this is a fulfillment of God's promise made throughout the Old Testament. God had promised in a variety of ways, beginning already with Adam and Eve in the garden, but throughout to Moses and the prophets, that the time and the coming of the Messiah was at hand. So now suppose you are in your workplace, your kitchen, your desk, maybe at school, And all of a sudden, an angel is standing beside you. How would you respond? I dare say most, if any, of us have never seen an angel. I'd like to meet the person if they have. Anybody? Well, we know angels are all around us, but we have never probably seen an angel because they are messengers of God. They are ministering spirits. We're not able to see angels. But then once you get over your initial fear, like this story unfolds for us, Suppose that the angel were to tell you that the prayer you had been praying for many, many years would be answered. And I think all of us can think of ways in which we have brought concerns, thoughts, prayers before God that simply were never answered. And maybe for a variety of reasons that they weren't. But that's the story that comes before us tonight with Zechariah and Elizabeth. And this is the beginning of the Christmas story. The text says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. And it's in the same time period as when that angel also comes to Mary, later in this section, and also makes an announcement similar to what the announcement is made to Zechariah. We know from other accounts it was a time of peace. Even though the glory days of David were nothing more than a memory for most Jews living in that time. And in spite of that, they still lived in a season of anticipation, of expectation. When is the Messiah going to come? 
and the daily ritual of sacrifice, as we note here in this chapter, and offerings that are made in the temple are still being made. In fact, that is what Zechariah the priest was attending to when he met an angel. And he was about to light the altar of incense near the Holy of Holies. Now, lest that surprises us, angels were a common phenomenon in the Old Testament. It shouldn't have surprised Zechariah, but yet, why not? Was he expecting something great to come by way of an announcement? Of course not. And what was unusual was not so much that the angel had come to him, but about the announcement that Zechariah was about to hear. Notice that it wasn't announcing the Messiah. It was to announce a different birth. News too good to be true for Zechariah and Elizabeth. Both from priestly stock, which alone would have been important to the Jews, but more significant, Luke declares that Zechariah and Elizabeth were both righteous before God. That's interesting that Luke would include that line here. Simon Kistemacher, in his commentary, makes the point that apart from the grace of God revealed in the atoning death of his son, no one can ever be truly righteous. And the Apostle Paul declares that no one is righteous in his letters to the Romans. Or to say it in another way, the only way that one can be truly righteous is when our guilt is laid upon the Savior and the Savior's righteousness is imparted to you and to me. Yet before the Savior of the world is born, Luke points out that Zechariah and Elizabeth were upright in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. They were good people. They were of good stock. They were in the lineage of Aaron, the high priest. And they served together in the Lord's temple. But there's a problem. Zechariah and Elizabeth were suffering. She couldn't have children. That's important to note because most Jews did not believe in eternal life. They believed that eternal life would come through their offspring, their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. That's how eternity would progress. And that's the way their line would live forever. But though they were righteous, Zechariah and Elizabeth were suffering the ultimate humiliation. If a couple did not have children, their line would stop. And they would be living under what many people assumed to be a curse for something from their past. So here we have the story of Zechariah performing his priestly duties, bringing the prayers and the longings of the people before God. And the angel appeared to him, Gabriel. 
And even though it was not unusual for angels to appear, and even though Zechariah was a righteous man before his God, he had a reaction of fear. He was afraid, as many in the Old Testament were when an angel appeared. You might think that such a righteous man would welcome the presence of an angel at such a holy moment. And though we remember that angels were messengers of God, something all Jews clearly understood, it caused Zechariah to be afraid. Well, notice how the angel responds. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Now, we know from the account that Zechariah and Elizabeth were both, both well advanced in years. And so he might have thought to himself, what prayer is that that's been heard? What prayer have I been praying so often that now finally God has a response that the angel is coming as his messenger to tell me? Though he was righteous, Zechariah didn't believe the angel's message. He didn't believe that God would answer his fervent prayers about having an offspring. But the angel comforts him by these words, do not be afraid. And how often don't we read those words when an angel approaches someone, do not be afraid. Don't fear, I am with you. Don't be afraid. It's repeated over and over. Isaiah, Mary, and the shepherds in Bethlehem. So what did the angel promise Zechariah? He promised Zechariah that he would have joy and delight. That many would rejoice at the birth of his son. And it reminds me of a time when there was another mother who was barren. She wasn't a mother at the time, of course. But we know well the story of Abraham and Sarah. God had promised Abraham a son. And we know well how that story went. Abraham determined that this just simply wasn't happening anymore. And he and Sarah decided that maybe Hagar, her handmaid, should be given to Abraham to produce an offspring. And we know Ishmael was born out of that relationship. And yet, when God came to Abraham and said, no, you're going to get a son my way. Not by you taking matters into your own hands. My way. I'm the one who promised you. And here we are. Sarah, 90 years of age. Abraham, 100. Is it any wonder that Sarah laughed? That wouldn't make sense to us, would it? At that advanced age? And yet... Isaac, laughter, was born to Abram and Sarah. God made the promise and God saw it would be fulfilled. And now the angel comes to Zechariah. And he said, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to give him the name John. I wonder what went through his mind. Probably not unlike that of Abraham. How can this be? How can this be at my age? 
In fact, this baby is going to be great in the sight of the Lord. In chapter 7, Luke records the words of Jesus when he's speaking about John. Among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And by the way, that's a reference to you and me living in the New Testament age. If you and I are in the kingdom of God, we will be a greater source of blessing than John. I'll come back to that in a moment. But then the angel went on to tell Zechariah that John will be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. And imagine how that would impact Zechariah. He was a righteous man. He was serving the Lord in the temple. He was going to light the altar of incense. He would hear the prayers of the people and bring them to God. And then he would offer a blessing on the people when he was about to leave. We know that throughout the Old Testament, God anointed special people, prophets and kings, with his spirit. We know that the spirit was given for special tasks to perform. Gideon was filled with the spirit. He led the people into battle. Moses was filled with the spirit to carry out the exodus from Egypt. Joel spoke about the spirit to be poured out on all people. And John, as I have alluded to, will be a voice in the desert. The uniqueness of this baby is that he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Sounds odd, doesn't it? That the people of Israel will be turning to the Lord their God through the preaching of John? Aren't they already God's chosen people? Well, it sounds odd because through John they will find the heart, the essence of their faith. By rote memory, they would know what the Old Testament Pentateuch would have had to say, the books of Moses. They would have understood that, and that God was a God of promise, and that he was faithful. They would have understood that. But that the Israelites would be turned to God by John's preaching? Well, it's because he is to come to announce the one who is greater than he, one whose sandals he is unworthy to loosen. He is to be the voice crying out in the wilderness, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. He will announce, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's going to be John's job. He's the forerunner of the Christ, the Messiah, whom we anticipate. John would go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn hearts of the fathers to their children. What a remarkable statement. I pray we don't take this lightly. When hearts of fathers are turned to their children, God's spirit is alive. Authentic love is at work in the midst of families. Reconciliation is the work of the spirit. John the Baptist is the morning star that announces the dawning of a new age. He's the forerunner. He's going to announce someone greater than he. And people will come to him in repentance. And families will be restored. And brokenness will find healing through his preaching. And note, even though he will be great in the sight of the Lord, 
It is his proclamation of one who is yet greater than he that will make John great. Zechariah couldn't have known all that. The angel simply told him that he was going to father a son. He would know what would be following with the son's announcement of the Messiah. The angel told him that he and Elizabeth would have a son and that and then Zechariah argues that he's an old man. How can this be? How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. I trust you caught the line when we were reading the text. Gabriel simply states, I am Gabriel. And I stand in the presence of God. End of the matter, wouldn't you say? In other words, God sent me and nothing is impossible with God. Zechariah couldn't believe the good news, chiefly because of his old age, and often we use our age as a barrier. We believe that we are restricted because of it. But as God gave a son to Abram in his old age and used Moses to lead his people in an advanced age, Zechariah's age certainly wasn't going to be a factor in God performing his good and perfect will. But that brings me to the point of this passage. And as I asked earlier, suppose that an angel were to come to you and make some public announcement telling you that your prayer has been heard. Be hard for us to imagine, wouldn't it? What would that mean for you if that ever happened? Or should you know that God might have used a particular way in which he already made an announcement? Maybe you have a too-good-to-be-true news in your life. Maybe you've been brought to the point where you finally believe that God is a God of his word. And that he speaks to you through his word is going to be true in your life. Maybe you think that you're too old to start something new or something exciting. Remember that people in their 90s wrote plays and led nations. Maybe you've been praying about your loneliness. Perhaps you're single and well beyond the age of expecting to marry. And maybe there are other things that you've prayed for, but which you are tired of waiting for God's answer. God told Abraham he would be the father of a great nation. I'm not sure I could have responded any different than Moses, than Abraham would have, or that Zechariah would have. If that, that had been me. When that son wasn't born to Abraham, he took matters into his own hands. But God had a plan. Zechariah could not believe that God had an answer for him. And we have all been guilty of that at one time or another. We take matters into our own hands because 
God hasn't responded quick enough for our timetable. We enter relationships because we can't trust God in our loneliness. We take a job out of desperation because we don't have the patience for God to provide. And in our hopelessness, we look to alternatives because we cannot believe that God can untangle the mess that we're in. It's true of our world, isn't it? We see it all around us. People who are upstanding citizens of the kingdom. And we often pay a price for our unbelief. Back to the story. We are told that the people were waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he was so long in the temple. They're waiting for a blessing. They're waiting for a response. It was rather apparent that when Zechariah finally stepped out of the threshold of the inner circle of the Holy of Holies, that the people realized something had happened inside the temple. He couldn't pronounce God's blessing to the people at the bottom of the steps because his voice was gone. God had taken that away from him. Something strange had happened to him. The crowd perceived it. And then the text tells us that when his temple service was completed, we don't know how long it was yet that he still had to be there. He didn't go home. He stayed there. But when his temple service was completed, we are told that Zechariah went home and his wife became pregnant. And now note what Elizabeth says. In these days... These meaning all the trials and distress and unanswered prayers. In these days, God has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. What a marvelous ending for a good news story. But if that's where we leave it, we will overlook the most important part of the text. You see, the story reminds us that John brings to the world is not that an old man and lady had their prayers answered. It's not that their disgrace has been taken away. It's that John is going to announce the Messiah. Even though shortly thereafter, the angel would have come to Mary and told her that she too will be with child. But John had to tell the world, this is the one, not me, I'm not worthy of untying his sandals. This is the one. This is the one that we need to look to because he's taking away the sin of the world. A few moments ago, I quoted Jesus' words about John that the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. That's important news for you and me that we might know the one whom John is going to announce. And the reason John will bring joy and delight to Zechariah and Elizabeth is so that we might look forward in anticipation and celebration to know the Savior. That's how we begin the Advent season. John takes a back seat, as we all know, to the birth of Jesus. Little is known about John's primary years and 
Maybe not much more about Jesus other than that he was brought to the temple. But John was there preaching at the Jordan and he said, this is the one. The one we celebrate in a few short weeks whose birth excites the world. That's what you and I are called to do. Look forward in anticipation celebrating the Savior. And what God wants for you and me is not unlike what he wanted for Zechariah and Elizabeth. Simply news too good to be true. John the Baptist was the voice proclaiming Jesus as Savior. And that Savior is going to take away our disgrace, our loneliness, and our indignity. Whatever we may have encountered in the journey of life we are living. But Jesus came to give us something that's too good to be true. He wants to give us himself. And that's the good news that awaited the Jews who lived in anticipation. Yes, they were God's chosen people, but they didn't know the Savior. They were waiting patiently. They had prayed for many years, anticipating when is the Messiah going to come? They were the chosen people, but they didn't know the Savior. Now the question for us becomes, do we celebrate this Advent season in anticipation of the Savior? Is he the one about whom life is purposeful and has meaning for you and for me? It is the best news. And it's the news that allows us to celebrate again this Christmas season. Amen. We sing together, Lo, how arose air blooming as a response.